Hello and welcome to the final episode of the If Not Now Then When podcast. Don't be too sad though as I'll be returning in early October with a new lineup of exciting entrepreneurs from around the globe. I'm delighted to say that my final guest is Els van Horbeck, who is the head of designer and tradition. If you have any doubts, reach out to your network, ask a question why, why everybody is happy to share experiences. Everybody is there to say, you know, um, you don't have to do everything by yourself. It's okay to just ask. She has a really calm way about her. However, it's really clear to see that she has a lot of determination. She follows her heart and her dreams and is able to explore new opportunities that come her way. And tradition bridges old and new by creating furniture, lighting and interior design objects with timeless appeal. And I'm really excited to see what she produces during her time and tradition. Here is the final episode with Els. Friday afternoon and um, to be honest initially I was thinking I might have a cup of coffee but after discussions we decided to go for elaborate alcoholic drinks which I think is the best way to go on a Friday afternoon so I'm actually drinking a Campari gin and tonic so I feel like halfway through this I'll probably oh. end up slurring slightly um, and I do actually have a scattering of blueberries in here as well just to oh embellish. you went all out <laughs> <laughs> yeah. did you get your Aperol spritz cheers I have an April spritz. Oh, nice. Okay, yes, that's a very yes. nice glass as well. I think it's the perfect way to start a Friday afternoon. Um, and to be honest, I feel like I gave a sort of mediocre description as to kind of how you got to where you are and who you are. But the way that this is kind of structured for the people who are listening um, and haven't listened before, there's five sort of key questions which are based on the if not now, then when structure. Um, and essentially, it's just to sort of summarise Elle's career and kind of how she got to where she is to inspire people who perhaps are studying interior design or maybe even are just interested in different types of design in itself and I find it quite interesting that Els has gone from interior designer roles and changed to sort of being more on the furniture side so anyone who's thinking that they maybe are stuck in one area of design uh, I think Els is a perfect example of someone who um, perhaps uh, kind of shifted around and then found exactly what she wanted to be doing so um, my first question is if you could summarize your career, how would you describe it? Very different than what yeah. I thought when I started off as. Um, when I started studying, I was very much into, you know, I love interior. I want to do interior design. Obviously, I explored with furniture design and scenography and everything uh, during my studies. But I, ever since I can remember, I was like, I'm going to be an interior designer and that's it. So yeah. I tried the other ones when I was studying. but in the end it was going to be interior design so i started in a smaller company uh, in belgium um, working for interior architect firm which was a nice start then i moved on to do something completely different i, I uh, went to study spanish in Spain oh really and then, uh, yeah and so you're fluent in I, spanish then oh well give me two more apples <laughs> and i will be no way oh my god it's amazing yeah, so that was fun. And then I came back and then I, um, you can study this in Antwerp, of course, in Antwerp, uh, to become a personal stylist. Nice. So to dress people. Nice. <laughs> so I did that. Uh, and then I started working for a joinery company in Belgium as well, where I was uh, the main designer. I learned so much, everything that I drew there. Uh, it went from like, you know, smaller projects like kitchens and bathrooms to mm. like really big 
um, full-on interiors. And everything I drew there, the atelier was right next door. So ah. the owner would always call me and say, okay, what do you drew here? It doesn't work. You got to come and see uh, nice. how it's made. So I picked up quite a lot. I stayed there for a few years. It's great and that you then... kind of had a bit of a, a mentor, you know, who I, I actually think looking back on sort of my career, it's the points where like you're discovering kind of what you want to do. But actually by the sounds of things, you had someone who was kind of, able to kind of help you and steer you in terms of like teaching and and educating in terms of like maybe what your interests are and actually I think I was talking to someone else about like when you're an architect or a designer actually the ability to go on site and see things being produced and developed and I think that sounds really nice that you potentially had a bit of a mentor who was sort of involved I guess. Yes yeah it it was great I learned uh, so much but then I wanted to you know I had this idea of wanting to do a little bit something a bit more international in this American company. And I'm not going to say the nice. name. It's, it's like really, um, really typical American furniture, but it was in Brussels, working in Brussels. And I thought, okay, this is the next step. It's also the majority of the work was done in English and French. So that was nice. a bit of a challenge, which I really liked. Yeah. And then this uh, vacancy came up at Vitra in Belgium for a space nice. planner, uh, an interior designer. So I thought, okay, I've always wanted to work for Vitra. You know, when you study, yeah, you learn about yeah. the icons, you see their collection. So you're like, I got to I gotta go for it. So I applied. I got the job. Nice. I started uh, working there and I stayed there for a year. And then I had to leave, but just because I followed my heart to London. <laughs> so <laughs> I fell in love. I met this guy. I moved to London. I quit my job I didn't have a new job when I arrived how did that kind of make you feel you know in terms of like just you know Vitra for example is an incredible job to have and like actually quitting your job and you know like I think that's quite a powerful thing actually I mean the way that you kind of said it was like it was quite off the cuff but I think not that many people would follow their gut in the same way and I think that's quite interesting how you did that was that sort of a a decision that you knew you were just you just knew you were going to do or was it something that maybe you were I don't know. You just thought, you know what, I'll just no. do it. I was devastated. I loved it. I loved working there. The people were amazing. Mm. Um, and I was actually quite lucky when I had the chat because I was a little so nervous. I remember when I had to go in to speak to um, my boss at the time, I was so nervous and I was like, okay, come on. <laughs> and he was so supportive and so yeah. understanding and uh, he's also been like someone I look up to in terms of like managing and how he manages people. So yeah, but actually how he, and then he said, okay, you know, if you want to come back, well, you can, you have a year to decide if it works out or oh, not. That's so <laughs> nice. And you know what? I think the yeah. best bosses are the ones who are like that, who almost allow you to spread your wings and explore. And actually then, you know, if you do come back, you're obviously going to come back with, with knowledge of something completely different outside of, the realm of that particular company and I think you know there's a lot of people who are like mentors like that who you know they're allowing their sort of their pupils or people that they're working with to kind of flourish and then you know you never know kind of where you're going to be in 10 years time you know which yeah, I think is so yeah, nice. no, it's true it's true um so yeah and then I had one one job interview in London um with the office group ah. uh, with uh, Charlie and Ollie so they were uh, they interviewed me and then I was like, okay, it wasn't really what I had in mind, but I, I just had such a good vibe yeah. during my interview that I came home and I was like, okay, I really want to work for this company. Um, it was a little bit underpaid 
for where I was and my career at that time. But yeah, I just felt like um, it had potential. Yeah, yeah. So it, everything inside me said, okay, just do it and just see what, what happens. And then it turned out yeah. to be like this incredible adventure and I ended up yeah. staying for five years. Was it five um, years? No way. Yeah. So you've kind of seen that company grow massively then and change a lot, you know, over that time. Yes probably sort of in terms of like growing yourself as well you kind of develop in terms of your knowledge of London maybe and actually the company's based there and you know you end up making friends in the industry and I think almost yeah. that, that in itself is quite I didn't know anyone in London I didn't know anyone in the design industry I remember the first time I went to Milan I had to um, wait at every stand to try to speak to someone from the furniture brand oh, really? and then <laughs> well I remember one and we are still good friends, but um, Brian from Muto and he was he was like, "Oh, did you did you book an appointment?" And I was like, "An appointment? What do you mean?" <laughs> He's like, "Oh, you book an appointment?" I was like, "No, I don't have an appointment." He's like, "Well, I'm busy." And I said, "Okay, well, how long will you be?" And he was like, "Oh, half an hour." So I was like, "Okay, I'll just sit here and oh. I'll just wait." <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a little bit awkward, but. I was like, I had no idea how it worked. So I just, yeah, yeah. It's so interesting though, even when you start to get to know like the industry as a whole, because I knew nothing really about the sort of furniture design, interior design industry until I moved down to London. I remember because I actually studied architecture originally and I remember I wanted to become an interior designer and I moved down to London and I just thought, you know, I I imagine that no one would ever see the same people twice, but you realize more and more I mean I guess from if not now then when's kind of perspective like you realize there's such a community of people and you see the same people over and over again and I think that's also quite interesting I think that's the best part of the design industry the people everybody's so passionate about what they do and you just get along and it is quite a small world actually yeah it's so small and actually I think to be honest like with if not now then when I really love the idea of you know for example you start off on interior design and then you actually kind of end up moving more into like the furniture industry or or even a different type of design altogether and you realize that actually that sort of path is almost formed by the people that you kind of meet along the way and there's so many nice yeah. people um that kind of allow that to happen as well I think so yeah, now yeah. you're at tradition as well so yes. you're, you're talking to me at the moment uh from Copenhagen so you've obviously moved there yes I moved here um beginning of February so nice. I took a bit of time off between the, my two jobs. I went to Australia and um, did a bit of traveling. And then uh, this opportunity came up and it meant moving to Copenhagen, which is something I always said I would do in my life. Mm. I just didn't know when. And so it's now. Um, and yeah, it's been very challenging with the Corona times. Moving somewhere new after a month and a half going in a lockdown. I was only <laughs> supposed to be here one week a month I was traveling so much mm. and then all of a sudden I'm stuck I'm like stuck I say <laughs> like it's a bad thing the first two weeks if you would have asked me I, I was it was a bad thing but yeah. then I started kind of really appreciating the city and it it's so nice because it was good to think about the future uh, also about design and what what effect this is going to have on the world and all the fairs get cancelled. Yeah, for exactly. Three days of design that's still happening. <laughs> I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's it's super exciting. Yeah, but yeah. So it, I had a, a turbulent first few months, 
but it's really nice. It's I think it's quite exciting, really. I mean, and that kind of like leads me on, I guess, to my n- next question. And maybe this almost is kind of one of the answers that maybe you would put forward is, um, so not your finest hour, what challenges have you faced along the way? I mean, I feel like starting a new job with COVID-19 is probably quite a challenge, <laughs> but then it sounds as though you've had, you know, a fair few along the way where you've maybe learned things and actually developed perhaps who you are and what you want to do as well. And, and actually be quite interesting to know kind of how you stayed quite headstrong in terms of knowing that you want to now be kind of part of the furniture side and design and that being sort of a dream job for you and how actually you ended up coming up with that it's so funny because um when i decided to leave talk which was i didn't plan it at all it was just because the company grew so much and they were making some structural changes so there i think my biggest uh, challenge there was that i absolutely loved the job like I lived for it yeah it gave um it gave me so much satisfaction the people around me were amazing there's still a lot of my colleagues there so some of my really good friends and the 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 challenge I had was just to to take the step and be like okay uh, yeah I cannot continue to work because I won't be as good as I was before because the motivation won't be the same level mm. and then you know to this to say okay um okay, I resigned. This is, this is not going to work for me. That was pretty intense. And I, I went yeah. through this whole phase, you know, when I came home to my housemate, I was just like, I think I just made the biggest mistake of my life. And, <laughs> you know, I had a lot of insecurities about it, but it just felt like, um, you know, I, I had to stick to what I believe in uh, is right for me to do. Mm. And I think if you lose your motivation and if you become negative, yeah it's very difficult to get out of a negative spiral I think particularly when you're in a creative industry as well because I think you know it isn't just a nine-to-five job it is a you know 24-7 thing because you go home and you're excited about design and you're creative and you're thinking about things all the time you never you know you might go to the supermarket and be buying your vegetables and actually you're thinking about something work related which is to anyone maybe who's listening who perhaps can't necessarily relate it's it's more it's more that it's kind of your passion and it's something that I mean it's incredibly lucky situation to kind of have in that if you lose your motivation it is much more than losing motivation just for a job it's you know it's your creative outlet and actually maybe that's kind of where you you kind of finished your five-year period there and maybe that's when almost within you kind of knew that you should be doing something else perhaps as well Um, and I think it's quite nice that you took some time out as well between I think um, I was also I've been very lucky with the people that I meet throughout my life. Um, mm. it, people seem to come at the right time for some reason. And, <laughs> it was good. Uh, yeah, it was good. Um, when going to Australia was the best thing for me. I met the most incredible people there. I did a lot of research on design. And then actually when I um, had my interview for Entradition, I used a lot of my research there. Yeah. So it kind of worked out together I think Um, it does because I think certain sometimes actually taking yourself out of the situation and kind of researching for example like when you're traveling or things you end up getting inspired by maybe these new people with different perspectives that maybe you would not have met unless you kind of took that time out and um, sometimes you kind of become a little bit um, stuck in maybe the things that you're doing all the time repeatedly and maybe actually that kind of helped a little bit in terms of working out yeah I think um yeah, I, th- I think I was I was lucky to be able to take the time off 
you know yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I also you know you have to have the freedom but it's always good to I think it's always good between two jobs to take time off but what do you what do I really want to do like I had a few um, opportunities to start again straight away mm. it was a little bit like a breakup you know I yeah needed, yeah yeah <laughs> I needed space for myself and just to find myself again um, separated from the identity I had because really my work, what I was doing was really my identity. Mm. So, and then, uh, and then now when uh, at end tradition, this, the, my biggest challenge is it's product. I, yeah. I, I used to look at uh, furniture and lighting f- from a spatial point of view, and I still do that, but now I got to modify it because there's so many details to products. Mm. There's so much that comes to see at the product development side, um, you know, the art direction, dealing with different designers and how they communicate and, you know, how you got to get the best out of them. Um, exactly, it's, exactly. It's, yeah, it's very challenging, but I, I love it. I can and, imagine and you also, do as well, because it's quite like, um, actually, the background that you have is probably quite different, perhaps, to people who've done that role before. And, and maybe actually coming in with a mindset of an interior designer and someone who sees space as a whole, actually, the way that you're looking at it could actually steer, you know, their, their overall aesthetic in quite an interesting way. Yeah, I think, um, I think, you know, they took a bit of a risk, but... Uh, an exciting but one. It, I don't think it's. A, I think it's an exciting one, also because uh, I know the market very well from mm. uh, doing all the research for the furniture, uh, lighting, everything at all. Uh, I'm. I'm. I have a very good knowledge of the brands out there, price points because mm. you know it was constantly dealing with the price to buy the furniture. What do you want to spend? What is reasonable? Yep. So a lot of the research side or the commercial side, um, I have, and then the design side. Uh, as well i just gotta i have a lot to learn on the product development side yeah but i think that's exciting. exciting because it keeps me um it keeps me on my toes yeah yeah and i also think as a creative it's always interesting to be learning something new rather than becoming a little bit stagnant And i mean it kind of leans leads me on to my next question which is um now that you've got to this point what is the most notable positive moment i mean would you say that potentially the role that you have now and actually the challenges that you have ahead perhaps or you know is there anything that's in your mind project wise perhaps that you've you've done in the past that's a real notable moment for you I have many um, <laughs> you can list them all off. moments. <laughs> um, I think the one of the nicest things that um, I got to do was uh, to design a chair. Oh yes, Before I was at end tradition. I don't know if I can mention it. <laughs> no, no, I, I can <laughs> if you Google elves, you'll know. You'll know. You can find <laughs> it. <laughs> um, which that for me was has always been a dream. And so when I got the opportunity, I was just like, yes, yes. I mean, I, I can mean, imagine that amazing. would be, for me, would be an absolute dream as well. I would love that. You know what, for me, I mean, I've always been a bit of, um, so I'm a bit of a Bauhaus geek, really. And I just love yes. um, how the the whole concept of the design as a whole is used within the architecture, within the interiors, the details of the blinds, the chair, everything is kind of designed as a whole. And I love I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm quite jealous in a, in a way, actually, the fact that you were working uh, from more of an interior design perspective. I know that you weren't an interior designer at TOG, but you were kind of 
fundamentally pulling everyone together who who were creatively involved and actually the fact that you were involved in the architectural side and also the, the furniture piece and being part of the design process of that as well I think is incredibly exciting because you're kind of part of every element of it then rather than just you know like I think sometimes designers maybe are involved in joinery but maybe not actually the the chair piece themselves you know like and actually designing it 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 is um what do you say on, on like you know working with designers or uh that point is that you have such big dreams and i had the same with the chair you know I was yeah like, yes, a chair and then it comes right okay we have <laughs> a time limit this has to be done by then it runs the stack so the legs can only be in this or this position right then a chair you have a seat and a bag i was i think I was really, really critical on new designs coming out. Yeah. And then when I worked on the co-chair, I was like, oh, it's, I mean, it, it, it's, you know, it has a seat, it has legs, it has a back, might have arms, might not have arms. Like yep. it, it has basic parts. So to be, you know, it, it kind of um, softened me up a little and, and, and start looking at design in a, in a different way, coming mm. um, and to understand what the whole process around it was. Yeah, I love that it's kind of involved in quite a f like your role essentially has been quite fluid because you've been, you know, part of the architectural side, you've been part of the sort of art curation side the interior design and furniture design and obviously like the development from this particular chair that you've obviously designed and been involved in um with sort of notable architects you know now maybe has been the way that actually as a positive moment has sort of taken you down a path towards actually being more you know head of design for a furniture brand themselves yeah i think um looking at you know what we are developing at end tradition the collection um that's coming up uh, the new releases. I'm also very critical. Uh, mm. Many times already, we've asked the question: Do we really need this? Is this is this really going to be a game changer? Yeah, uh, you know, or is it something that it's so beautiful everybody would need it? Or it there's been really put some thought into it. It's I don't like producing just because you gotta produce. You gotta you have to come out with something new two three times a year. Yeah, that is not the case. Is there something revolutionary, or is there something that you know is more sustainable that you can do or design? Or yeah, it, it's a very um, then I think having a very critical eye is very good. Yeah, and I think also um, being open to you know various different types of creative. You know, like even for example, you know there could be possible changes to office spaces and the way that people work. I mean, particularly after the situation that we're in now and yes. how how things are for designers as a whole. You know, like what you're producing. It, it's funny because I also so I uh, as much as I uh, look into the collection and the furniture, lighting, and uh, the accessories. Um, I'm also looking into the showrooms, the showroom design, uh, the spatial aspect. Mm. So we are currently redesigning the head office to become more flexible and to be more prepared yep. for uh, if something like this happens again. So there can be more people in the same building without necessarily breaching any um, lockdown rules. Or yeah. and Another funny thing about this um, situation is that a lot of designers were all of a sudden were like, oh, you know, we had some time. Uh, should we do? Should we do something? And uh, that's been really great. Uh, yeah, I, had I can imagine. Regular conversations with various people, and when we didn't know what what 
what we were going to do. We had no idea. We just started talking and talking and then one thing led to the next and now yeah. we have a few products coming out of that, which is super Oh, no way. I think that's what's yeah. really interesting. I mean, even for me, like with, with lockdown, it makes you kind of slow down slightly and reflect. Um, I mean, for me, I, I, I would say that for a few years I've tried to be working out what I wanted to be doing and to be honest if not now then when is a bit of an outlet for myself to try and discover and you know talk to some interesting people and I think actually the time that I've had available where I've not necessarily been going out with my friends I've been kind of talking to people about sort of collaborations and and different things like that and I truly believe that there's going to be some interesting shifts um actually with lots of different types of designers working on different things that maybe they didn't think they would have the time to be involved in or you know I think it's quite exciting I mean it leads me on to my fourth question which is um then what which is basically what are your plans for the future do you have any ideas it could be personal or it could be you know to do with untradition maybe these collaborations that are upcoming and actually the development of office spaces and actually maybe your career as a whole um I don't really look that far ahead in the future Uh, I have some uh, short-term goals, which is I really want to understand the product development. Um, I really, you know, I want to bring out uh, products that, you know, bring bring up some feelings with people. Yeah. So I think it would be, I'm really looking forward to the first time that a product comes out, which I worked on from the start, that will have, um, you know, my, my influence on it and then to see how it will be perceived by people. That's so exciting. Um, it's like having your own fashion show. Yeah. Yeah. A little, it, it's a little like that, you know, I'm just curious to see um, if, you know, if my gut feeling gets it right. Mm. So, I think sometimes uh, like actually, if your gut feeling has kind of taken you so far, I think even if, you know, sometimes with things like that, actually critical eye and actually conversation sometimes even if it's negative or positive doesn't necessarily matter I think actually it's almost if you brought something in that was sort of middle ground and didn't actually create a conversation I think sometimes actually that's even worse because you know you're better off having something that is people talk about and um, maybe have like a conversation around and you can kind of develop from there yeah that and then the fine balance with creating um, creating like a product that is just beautiful but it doesn't necessarily stand out but you know, it's like the thing you would have that complements everything else. You exactly. Have, you know, yeah. it doesn't shout too much. There's a fine balance there. Yeah. Um, I think. I think for me that is the main, um, the main, my my main goal now for the future. Also to see how the new showroom concept will be perceived and the the new products, yeah. and also to see how how my collaboration with the designers goes yeah from now on especially if they're new ones as well and they're kind of like things that you've kind of brought in and actually a different like you say sort of outlook in terms of the creation of the the collection and everything and um I mean this kind of uh leads me on I guess to my final question which is when you look back what is the best piece of advice you've received or potentially it could even be you know you've repeated actually a few times about kind of going with your gut you know would it be maybe that actually you've not necessarily received any advice from anyone in particular. It's more actually you advising yourself and listening to your gut and just going with the way that you believe is right. And actually, even if it doesn't turn out exactly how you'd expected, maybe that's kind of a good thing. I think we all like, you know, you would be like, Oh, trust your gut. But sometimes that yeah. is also very difficult because you don't really know what's going to happen from it. Yeah. So when uh, I, I've got, I've been really lucky with the people I've met and I've 
received some really, really, really good advice on various points. Like one was, you know, how to progress further in my career, which was really good advice. I mean, I feel like if you could share that, that would be great. (laughs) (laughs) That was a very specific one. But I think, um, and I've said this before, but building a team, which is something that I also did a talk for the first time, um, hiring people that that can contribute. You know, when you're hiring for the first time, um, it's literally like you want to hire people that can teach you something. Mm. That can that can contribute that that brings something to the table that um, you don't or you can't or have a different style than you if it's in design and yeah. people that look at things differently than you that is uh, that is something that I will always look for when when hiring. Mm. But other than that, um, when I had some issues, uh, when I had some doubts about managing people or managing a bigger group of people, uh, I I had some good advice where it was like just you know. I could reach out to people in the industry and be like, okay, listen, I just want to have a chat. I just want to have a coffee. And this is something that I would advise actually to anyone. Yeah. Um, if you have any doubts, reach out to your network, ask a question. Why, why everybody is happy to share experiences. Everybody is there to say, you know, um, you don't have to do everything by yourself. It's okay to just ask or to say, okay, can we grab a coffee? And I think say, okay, so true. this is not going well. Mm. How did you deal with this? Or, and out of that, I find that so many people are so supportive of what you do. You'd be surprised and it gives you kind of energy to continue. I think it does doing. because actually I think you realize that there's a lot of people who feel the same way. And perhaps, I mean, even with kind of what I'm trying to sort of develop here with the podcast series in, is that actually you realize that there's a lot of people who maybe don't know what direction they're going in or, or feel sometimes unsure of whether or not they're doing the right thing. And, you know, I might look at someone like yourself and think, my God, she's done all of these things. And then actually you, you talk to somebody about it a little bit more and maybe they've had a bit of a doubt, but then like you say, they've had the mentors around them or people to speak to, which is actually incredibly useful. And um, I think people are kind of getting more and more open in terms of talking about how they feel. And, um, and I think that kind of like progress, it allows you to kind of progress in the way that maybe that you wouldn't necessarily even have thought of yourself, which I think is quite exciting, really. I mean, look at yeah, you, you've I mean, ended up in Copenhagen. <laughs> I was right. Yeah. I'm very happy, but I still, sometimes I still can't believe it. And then I look out my window and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. to describe to everyone listening, her apartment behind her looks great. And I'm very jealous. <laughs> And we we just spoke a moment before the the podcast call, and I was sort of saying, oh, you know, maybe we should uh, we should have something alcoholic to drink. You know, well, actually, to be honest, that was Elle's suggestion, not mine. But I was more than happy to oblige. And she said, oh, I'll just nip down the road and get an aperol spritz. And I thought you're literally in the best setup ever. Yeah, that's very true. I'm not gonna lie. That I mean, going to London was one of the best things I did for my career. But leaving London was one of the best things I've done for myself. Yeah, this is a totally different lifestyle here. The balance. I'm still trying to get used to this thing about leaving work at five. I'm like, what, where is everyone? <laughs> but um, I mean, it sounds like an absolute dream, to be honest. Yes, it is. It's a really great city. It's very inspiring. The city itself is so well designed. Yeah, it, it just you know you feel like you are living a good quality life. Mm. Are you able to um, reveal when sort of the first piece from um, sort of a collection that you're involved in is released or is that sort of TBC at the moment? No, I think 
hopefully it will be um january february next nice oh very exciting see. i know <laughs> <laughs> let's see but uh yeah that, oh, would, well. that would be the ideal I was going to say thank you very much. I mean, honestly, it sounds very exciting, and I'll keep an eye out as well on uh, on the releases by uh, by Els and her involvement, obviously, with and tradition. <laughs> and uh, to be honest, thank you so much. It was really, really interesting to talk to you about your career path and kind of actually, I think, really inspiring that um, you you know you may study interior design, but you don't have to necessarily be an interior designer because really, what your what you have learned is incredibly useful in terms of your particular role and actually I think sometimes having uh, more of an umbrella knowledge of of the industry is incredibly useful um, in producing something that could be really exciting. Thank you for the invitation (laughs) of doing this talk I really enjoyed it. again to Els for being the perfect final guest for the first series of the If Not Now Then When podcast. If you'd like to learn more about And Tradition, you can follow them on Instagram at And Tradition or follow Els directly at E. Van Horbeck. You can also go on their website, which is andtradition.com. I'm shocked that the time has absolutely flown by and that this is the last episode in the first series Series two will be released in early October and in the meantime, I'm excited that I'll be busying myself curating and gathering together another diverse and motivational group of entrepreneurs for you to tune into. Thanks again to Unicat Music for transforming this podcast. If you'd like to hear more from them, you can visit them on Spotify or on their Instagram, which is at unicat.music. If you'd like to know more about If Not Now Then When, then please feel free to visit intw.co.uk or the Instagram which is underscore underscore if not now then when underscore underscore. I'm proud to say that the if not now then when podcast was fundamentally put together to allow you to believe that your aspirations are attainable by removing the pedestal from the people that you idolize and making sure that they become mentors to you you can see that what you want is actually something that's achievable. I really hope that you've gained a lot out of this and I cannot wait for the second series. Thanks again for listening.